0: For legacy. You know the feel cold, but this my destiny. No more pretending no excuses. need to take it out on music on mission What is up everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Resilient Man Project. I'm Jonathan York. I'm your guide on this journey to resilience. We uh, we got a new camera, so I'm not all fuzzy anymore. We should have better uh, audio I hope now because I always feel like I'm the I sound worse than the guests pretty consistently so I'm trying to fix that I appreciate you guys hanging there with us while we get all this stuff ironed out Uh, truly appreciate every one of you it's been a blast and and we're learning and and growing and and, uh, if you're listening on Apple top right three dots click them follow the show I'll be waiting on you on Wednesday morning if you like video Resilient Man Project on YouTube Uh, all social media Resilient Man Project we're pretty consistent find us if you're in that situation, if you're stuck and you need to talk to somebody, hit, hit me on Messenger. It's it's just me. I'm a normal dude on the other end. Uh, I'll be the one responding. So man, I got a, a good friend of mine. We've kinda known each other for a little while a little while now. Um these, these guys he they helped me kind of get started on this on this podcast journey and uh and really just kinda give me some direction and stuff in the beginning and uh we have some very similar uh thoughts on faith and the, the importance of it uh so i want to jump reach out to my, my, my boy tim here and get him on to to share a story and talk with us for a little bit tim holloway what's up bro all right brother
1: yeah so man i uh i'm grateful to be here man i love your podcast name i love the mission man and um any chance that i can uh jump on and talk about uh, men's issues and stuff like that. I'm all for it. So that's why I'm here today. And uh, to talk about uh, some issues that are facing men and um, what we could do about it, not just um, the pain and the problem, but to bring some solutions to some men out there. So thank you, brother. Man,
0: I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, yeah no problem, dude. I've been looking forward to this one all week. Uh, We've both been kind of dealing with some sinus issues. Tim had them last week, and I feel like I was just telling him before we came on, I've I've got them going on this week. I feel like like I sound like a Smurf or something. I can't breathe, but uh, we're going to battle through and push through, man. So I tell you what, uh, you know what we're all about around here. If you just want to kind of take it and run with it and give us a little bit of your story, and then, man, we'll just see where it goes.
1: Yeah, I would love to start off with uh, the problem, man, and, um, you know, coming into – uh, society in this world inside of, um, traumatic experiences and pain from, uh, very young. That's my story. And that's the, the problem that, you know, I was born into man, um, just to put it to, to the listeners plain. Um, so before I was even born, my, um, uh, my sister was murdered and my, my stepbrother was tied to uh, to the chair and tortured by this, uh, boyfriend of my mom's. And, um, you know, I came into the world a couple of years after that, but her addiction progressed into uh, something even worse than than that. That um, you know, her selection of men didn't change; <laughs> she still had the you know the sadistic men, and and so I was brought into this uh, this world of pain and addiction uh, from my parents. Um, they were a hookup; um, they they got married. This is back when you can have conjugal visits. And uh, they were married. Uh, they had a couple of conjugals. Uh, you know, I was in one of those conjugal visits, man. And um, you know, and when they got out, they were non-existent relationship. It was you know, a couple of conjugals, and that was pretty much it. Out I came, and um, so uh, my father wasn't in my life uh, during that time. Uh, he spent most of his life in and out of prison. And uh, so, both of my parents are inside of the uh, extreme part of addiction, to where it's it's not where they're just like messing around sort of thing. That like they're in deep, um, you know, slamming heroin, slamming speed, uh, delusions, um, uh, ODs. You know, all of this experience that goes along with that. So, you know, my first ten years of life were living with these people that are. <laughs> <laughs> like off uh, the rocker. And, uh, when I talk about those things, um, you know, the common folk or people that, that don't know, um, they just like, they can't, they can't fathom, you know, watching their, their, their parents dig through their, their crap because they think that there's worms in there. This is like a uh, psychotic episodes of being up weeks on speed and like, helicopters and following and police and paranoia and and uh just k cha- just chaos all the time and so you know one example seeing my stepfather dig through his skin he once again was looking for worms and so he would have these nasty sores just all over his body just tweak it out bro <laughs> like so this is my environment uh, this is what i grew up in until the um you know, until the government stepped in and, and took us all of us kids away. There was five of us, and we just went to each one to different relatives. It's a crazy,
0: crazy experience, man. I've uh, I've, I've seen some of that, not necessarily to that level. Um, I've been that person peeking through the blinds and uh, you know see shadow people and yeah. things like that. So um, I can comprehend it. But uh, I've definitely seen the people with the sores and stuff all over them for picking and all those things. That was never me, but that is insane, bro. Like I've I've been in that world, and even for me to hear it, that's that's crazy. That's that's wild. So you grow
1: up, um, you know, seeing people like that. So the model of manhood, you you know, like the model of manhood is like totally non-existent. There's no, there's nobody uh, showing the way. Uh, you know, I thought, you know this is the way all men operated. You know, they, they beat their wives. They, they do drugs. They, they burn half the house down. Like, this <laughs> you know, this is what the, what the men do, you know, and, um, you know, growing up in that environment where the people are murdered in our backyard, slit, I mean, slit like, and, um, prostitution, they're, they're squatting in every room and us kids are kicked out and we're in the living room because the, the rooms are rented out for for work. They're not for the kids, you know? And so coming inside of this environment and then being taken out of that environment at 10 years old and then, um, becoming an addict myself to, to be able to cope with, you know, not really understanding, not, uh, not having the skills to cope with life and stuff. A lot of people just naturally gravitate towards Towards that life, man And that's exactly what I did To the point where I'm seeing demons Where I'm, you know, looking out the window Where I'm uh, uh, racing across town on my bike because these You know, uh, people are chasing me um, Hold on the stop sign Because I convinced myself that I was going to float away to the atmosphere And uh, convince myself that people are dead When they're actually alive Like all of this crazy uh, stuff That comes uh, with uh, The extreme side of um, Meth addiction you know, I experienced myself. Um, that's where I had an encounter with God, and that's my story, man.
0: Man, I would. Uh, I, I cannot wait to hear hear this encounter. Um, let's speak to. So, did it get better a little bit when you got to relatives and stuff? Did life get somewhat?
1: Better, better. So from 10 to uh, 16, it was, you know, it was all addiction, man. At 12, I, uh, I, uh, 10, I was given to my grandmother. I went to wake her up at 12, man. She didn't wake up and I found her dead. And uh, uh, right at that time, the uh, my dad got the emergency um, um, out of prison uh, compassion release. Um, uh, because of his mother died and now he had a son to take care of, you know, so right at the time is my, uh, my, uh, grandmother's dying, uh, dead, my father gets out of prison and, uh, it didn't take too long for me to just run away, man. At 13, uh, moved in with a 35 year old woman, uh, started running a uh, dope for her and, you know, doing the little things on the, uh, running it to apartment department and stuff like that uh, just runner meal stuff, uh, being a little, uh, being a little meal, but, uh, yeah, it's 16 years old, man. So I'm, I'm trying to keep up with the, uh, with the big dogs and, you know, you get inside of the meth culture and you just go and go and go, man, I'm a, this hundred pound kid, you know, at, uh, at, uh, 14, 15 years old, because, you know, I went straight, you know, I didn't, uh, go into sports or lift weights or, you know, I went straight into, uh, pills, uh, Klonopins, somas, volumes, uh, all of those things into the downers and then went straight into meth. And so I was a skinny, uh, scrawny kid trying to keep up with these, uh, uh, these grown men and their drug use. And, uh, I overdosed, man. I, um, you know, uh, my vision uh, cut out to tunnel vision and my ears just hurt my heart and it was just boom, 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 boom. and I'm like uh, having this just like panic, like extreme panic situation. And uh, my friend, he told me this after because I'm not very uh mentally uh, there at that moment, but he said, I was screaming at God and I was telling him to F off and, and that I wasn't scared to die and all these different things. And I came from that experience and, um, after, uh, uh coming to and grasping a little, uh, reality, I had him drop me off at a house they had a hammock there. I put my butt in that hammock and I sat there all day long, <laughs> like on it. I was just like afraid to get up. Like there was a couple of times where I get up and I feel my heart thumping again, you know. And it was just like, I guess I'm supposed to sit here. I'm supposed to process all this stuff. And so, brother, and I sit there and I process that. And by the end of the day, uh, I came to the conclusion that um, that I was going to meet my maker in a very angry fashion. And that I was hostile to him and that um, I was concerned uh, for my mental well-being and for uh, entering an eternity in this angry, angry, uh, hostile fashion. And um, man, that stuck with me. And an amazing thing happened was I wanted to do the right thing. And uh, this is what I, you know, many people call as a conversion or a heartfelt experience. But what happened was I was no longer satisfied and I struggled using, I struggled uh, in different things, but, uh, you know, it led oftentimes to me, you know, curl on the bathroom floor, like crying, or it led to all of these different situations to where I couldn't use the same, I couldn't do anything the same, man. And, uh, uh, because God met me there and he gave me a heart transformation and I wanted so bad to be different and to do something different. And that's, that's how he met me.
0: Wow, man. Around what you said, 16 or so? 16, 17, right in there. man. So just completely changed the way you viewed being high and drug use and all those things. You still struggled with it, but it was like this yeah, completely looked at it differently. Almost yeah, like I want to say guilt, but like, yeah, you didn't want it. You just didn't know that. Yeah, because for, before
1: brother, before brother, I had, I had no. I did what I did, and I was about that life. I didn't have any. Uh, I didn't have any feelings attached to it. You know, I'm gonna hit that. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna sniff that. I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna, you know, all those things, and it's like there was no uh there was a detachment uh, often what you what you see inside of um uh savage game culture there's a detachment from from the pain that you're causing and then having that experience to where ah, oh, man my heart just longed to to do the to do the right thing i was like so that was my experience uh it took me a little bit of time to uh catch up with that you know i had a second Uh, some more battles that came along later on in life, um, you know, with alcoholism and stuff. But uh, I tell you that experience, um, you know, I had that encounter with God and I held on to that core belief, you know, as I went throughout life. So uh, awesome experience.
0: Wow, man. It is, it's a heck of a, uh, first 16 years, man. Like, yeah, it's, um, it's amazing the transformation once it begins to happen. Like I, I still feel like I'm really in the early kind of stages of mine, and every day, you know, I wake up to something new manifest himself in a new way and point me in a new direction, or put someone in my new in my path that I'm supposed to meet and work with, or do something with, or you know, just name it. It's, it's like the further you know, I used to say, kind of like when I started all this self-help and stuff. I was like, the further you walk, the lonelier it gets because it does feel like that for a while. But now it's like completely flipped on its head. It's like the further i walk, like the more surrounded by who I am. Yeah. Yeah. More connection, more of God,
1: more. Yeah. And that is, that's an awesome reality. You know, I correlate, um, growth, um, to the, you know, the caterpillar and the butterfly uh, process. And the Bible also does that too. Um, but it's still applicable for somebody who is not particularly of faith. And that is transformation is a process. And it starts first by the, by the enlightenment, the opening of your eyes, the desiring of, of, of doing good and righteous and stuff like that. And uh, that's the, the larva stage. It's very beginning, you know, you just, you get just um, uh, starting out and stuff, but the evolution of the process is to go in that c- c- cocoon, right? And uh, to get down deep, to get your core values, your convictions, like everything that you stand for inside of that cocoon gets 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 in you now. And, uh, then that struggle and strength to break out of that cocoon, uh, you know, is the strength that you get to fly. So in resiliency, like the pattern, the process that we're all going through is a, is a process of metamorphosis in its transformation. And, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a process. And so, uh, start, uh, looking at somebody and going, uh, wow, they're, you know, they're immature. <laughs> wow, they, they, they don't got it. Right. Well, Like they're, you know, at the larva stage and and it's, it's the beginning of the process. So, um, you know, grace, there's just this sense of grace and understanding of the journey, man. I can't kick anybody who's on the larva stage, man. I can't kick anybody who's in the cocoon, you know, and I definitely ain't kicking people that are flying around, you know, sharing this message of of resiliency. Uh, like you have stepped up and done, like just, it's it, man
0: yeah I really feel like I'm more in the cocoon stage honestly I don't maybe I just um yeah that's a beautiful analogy. I really like it a lot it's uh yeah in um in nature it shows
1: us through the seed being planted and then the sprouting of the seed and then the gaining of the root and then starting to the stalk. That stock that, that comes up, that's the backbone, man. And so in the cocoon phase, it's resiliency, building that strength and power to fly. But in the, in the natural or uh, uh, plant stage, it's building that stock before the fruit comes. And uh, the sad thing is, brother, and this taps into some of the problem, is that there's a lot of people skipping this, the stock phase. And that is that they go from larva and they, and they go from seed and and they start to sprout up and they never develop the character necessary to sustain them. Um, so they, you know, they go out there and they walk in their mission and, uh, they get famous. (laughs) Oh man. And they let it go to their head and they, you know, they end up falling and and, and it's a spectacle and it's a disgrace because, they bypassed the the cocoon phase, man, and so they didn't really they don't don't have the strength to fly. They may fly for a little bit, but then we watch them just go.
0: and we watch them go to the ground. You're you're right, man. All of the you know all of life is is part of that process, right? Like I even look back to stuff that I went through, like last in the last month and, and even can already kind of understand you know I needed to go through it because like I needed to learn this thing and last year was a a, a big lesson for me from you know I, I'd gotten out of prison and was just kind of honestly from a professional level just absolutely destroying it you know and, and, and thought that I could pretty much do in that arena whatever I wanted and just make it happen and And, uh, I realized over the last year, that's not, you know, that is not where my faith needs to be, um, in any arena, much less, but, uh, I needed to learn some things about myself. I needed to be stretched. I needed to be grown, man. And, um, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all life. It's all part of, part of becoming who you are, right? Like, I'm sure you can probably speak to that some over the last couple of years too, you know, you you just needed to learn some things. Um, And I I think that if you can find the value, like in the, in the lesson in, in, in those and and take it for what they are, and that's that you're trying to be taught something and then you'll kind of work your way out of it. Once, once he feels like you, you know, like I wasn't ready to make a lot of money. Like I wasn't ready if I would have made it a year ago like I know I would not have done right by it. I would not have been a good steward of it. So now I look at myself and the things that are coming in twenty-three and the way everything's moving, and it's like okay, like now I understand why and I'm I'm ready for, for this success. I'm ready for these things. Yeah, you know, I think um
1: so the brothers that have this mindset, uh I do believe, you know, inside of the faith community, because that's where my voice is. I know inside of the faith community, those that have dug deep are going to be, uh, the most resilient and the most sustainable men, uh, probably that the, that the planet has ever seen. And that is to, because they took the time to really dig deep, you know what I mean? And that is, uh, character and, uh, and stuff like that, that, uh, there's going to be a strong sustainability in their success. And what I'm saying is that they're not going to be the firecracker that shoots up and everybody goes, ooh,
0: ah, and then
1: it comes tumbling down, you know. Uh God is building some men for sustainability and um because that's what the world needs. And we don't need, I know in the faith community, uh more superstars that go cheat on their wives and do all of these character uh things that uh that uh, uh bring shame to to the name of the faith. So that's what I feel like God's doing to me, and um, you know the message that I bring to the table is one of you know character and resiliency. Like dig deep, man.
0: Yeah, man. It's, it's biblical. I'm I'm reading through the New Testament for the first time ever. I finished uh, Second Corinthians this morning, so tomorrow morning I start yes. Galatians. Um, but uh, it's what biblical. It's what perseverance brings. Character, character brings hope, and yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the path, man. And uh, so the path of resiliency is through through the facing the difficult times, you know, uh, looking through my life. So after that, what led to me to alcoholism was, you know, my father overdosed on heroin. My mother died from cancer. It was all the same year. And I was already in ministry at the time. And, um, you know, I was just broken from this life tragedy and stuff that it ended up rolling into ministry where I wasn't really able to feed other people. I actually needed to be fed myself because I was so broken. Um, so that led to stepping back from ministry, which led into the 2008 financial crisis, which led to be losing my home, my, my truck and everything. So it's like this, the evolution of, of those things of facing all of those difficulties and wanting to uh, escape the world, wanting to drown out, and uh, ultimately, uh, resiliency is the acceptance in my mind that we accept what is, and from that acceptance, we 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 can. Uh, uh, Vent our anger. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the, you know, letting out this pain and this angry, like in, in the realm of faith, God can handle that. Uh, in the realm of world, just get it out, you know, uh, uh, so you don't, uh, spill out on the people that are around you, right? But we go through this process of, of acceptance and we go through that anger and we even go through that time where we want to sedate and withdraw. But the ultimate uh, conclusion is to go through the darkness, go through the pain and don't camp out at any one of these stages, right? People camp out at being angry. And it's like, that was just a stage you are supposed to pass through Pass through, and you can get through that a lot quicker. If you look at the process and understand it, And then people go to the depression stage where they're just sedating, beating themselves up all this thing. But, just walk through it. And that is on the other side of that anger, that depression uh, is is the acceptance and walking out f- a free man and healed who has experienced a lot of pain, but uh, has received, uh, uh, gone through it, been a source of comfort. And uh, we're able to bring that message of comfort to other people and say, man, I know what it's like to sit down in that pit, man. I've been in that pit
0: that story, I mean, you you, you talking about, it you know, brings up, I know we both, we both know him and, uh, I wanted to mention him today anyways. Um, he's been on the podcast but what Jason McKenzie's going through. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I read his post last night regarding, you know, he lost his daughter. You know, he'd already lost his, his wife to a suicide and, uh, he lost his daughter to a, a car wreck and. uh, Man, he spoke to exactly what what you were just what you were, you were just is like the, the fact that it sucked obviously horrible the hardest thing he's ever done the, the scariest thing he's ever faced the most unfair thing he's ever felt you know um, but he he's he's been able to walk through it and 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 now he said that there's there's some Power in knowing now that I can get through anything um because there's nothing worse than what I've just gone through. I felt the connection with him from the very first time I met him um I don't know sometimes it just happens like that, and uh hes I think he's really good really. you can just feel the kindness um you know come off of him so. Thinking about you, Jason, I I, I wanted to mention you today and it felt like an appropriate moment. So if you're listening, if you're ever catching this one, man, we're thinking about you and and we love you and uh, we're here for you if you need anything. But yeah, it's a a tough thing to walk through, man. Man, let's see. Well, you
1: you hit the nail on the head as far as um, resiliency and uh, looking at uh, those situations of life. It reminds me of this old song. I don't know who sang it, but it was... um, is that all you got? Like, take your best shot. And, uh, so, yeah, we've been through some, uh, through some darkness. Uh, we've been in, uh, we've been in cages, <laughs> you know, we've been in, uh, uh, pits in dark places. And, um, unfortunately, uh, the silver spoon life has rarely, rarely produced amazing men. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, somebody who had easy street and had privilege and all those different things uh, can't do amazing things. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that the the pain and the situations uh, create the man. And, um, often the silver spoon life doesn't create that kind of man. Uh, you know, it's not deep. It's not, uh, you know, what's crazy is that, Man, that uh, uh, I read this article recently, and it was that 50, uh, 50% of men feel isolated and 33% of men feel severely unhappy. And that's crazy to think about, man. And this is why what we do is so important, because
0: we got problems.
1: <laughs> we got some serious problems.
0: And I, I don't know how you feel. I'm sure you feel the same way, but I feel like... that. They- one big answer, if not the answer that could really change the world is, is brotherhood. Like it's, it's surrounding, you know, getting in and surrounding yourself with, with men that that are like-minded that, you know, want to see each other do better and, you know, improve and maybe they are a few steps ahead or whatever, but, you know, just like-minded people. Um, I feel like we have to get back to like, you know, having a community where we can like be vulnerable and like talk about those are things that that really matter that are, you know, that that may make you feel like you look a certain way in front of the wrong crowd or whatever, like, and support each other. But like that stuff is gone. Like even like men's groups and stuff at churches and things like that, those things are just, they're not what they used to be. And I think it's. You're tapping into the uh, solution. And uh, if we can talk about
1: that for a little bit, because, So we know men are unhappy. We know every one and third men that we walked in are coming in contact with is unfulfilled. Um, And this is just a simple study. So in reality, the numbers could be far worse than that. Uh, And that is men are uh, unproductive, they're unfulfilled, uh, empty. Uh, That emptiness is manifested in a pain. I'm empty, so I need to go... Um, I need to go experience this exciting relationship outside of my marriage. I need to um, continue in my sedation with alcohol or I need to climb the corporate ladder of success and uh, feel like I'm okay when I make this certain amount of money. All that's attached to the, to the problem. But the, um, the solution that you talked about is, um, is a brotherhood connected with honesty. That we can go, you know, be honest. And that is that if you lost somebody, uh, you can uh, manifest your anger in whatever way, fashion. And people are not going to look at you like, oh, my God. Like, you you can't do this in church, first of all, because you got to maintain this. I'm just such a positive person. And I just always believe and trust in God. And I'm like, whoo, you obviously never been through the darkness because in that darkness, you're like... I don't even know if I believe in you anymore. What are you doing? <laughs> like, what's going on about inside of my life? Like, there's all this anger and this frustration. Why? Uh, why am I going through this? Why is my marriage failing? Why am I unsuccessful? It's like just realness, rawness inside of a, a community that can handle that rawness. Um, solution, right there, brother. to Some of this stuff.
0: We're all starving for connection, right? At the end of the day, that's what we want, you know, to feel connected because, you know, whether we, you know, like it or not, we are all connected, you know, Um, and we all have way more in common than we do different, no matter your race or any of that other crap. Like,
1: you know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. The other solution I would bring out, brother, is um, it's of mindset and that is. Um, shifting the perspective and begin to look at things differently. And, uh, the way this played out inside my life is, um, you know, with my mother, um, letting go and forgiving her and, uh, coming to the conclusion that, um, she didn't do things intentionally, right. She, she was messed up. She was in her trauma and her pain and that in reality, um, most of all the things that she did had absolutely nothing to do with me whatsoever. Like I'm just in this unfolding drama. I didn't ask to be there. I'm just there. And uh, I'm in this uh, unfolding drama and uh, it really had nothing to do with me. So shifting our mindset towards people that have harmed us in this manner of saying, you know what, they're broken. Uh, They had their own issues. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. The benefit of the doubt that is their mess um, has nothing to do with me. And honestly, when I look at my mother now, I just go, well, I guess she did the best she could with all the pain and trauma that she had. Like I guess she she uh, showed up the best that she could. Now this doesn't give any sort of out or relieve anybody of any responsibility, but what it does from our side as a mental perspective is that we give people a little bit of compassion and benefit of the doubt that maybe just maybe if I went all through the things that she went through, I possibly would have behaved in the same manner. And so once we get that um, love compassion we can release now we can release that stuff
0: yeah and I mean my mom wasn't uh, you know the best mom in the world either um, and I got to a place where I viewed her her life as almost like beautiful because like it took that to make me And I almost see it like sacrificial in a way, because I kind of know that I definitely know I wouldn't be, you know, the man I am, the warrior I am, the the man ready to do this work without that in my life, without being part of the story. That's the the
1: second perspective that I want to bring out, brother, because like if... You give people the benefit of the doubt, you're able to release. The second was because I wasn't able to do that with my stepfather. You know, he's just, I almost think that he was just pretty close to pure evil. And I think he did things intentionally, but right? you're <laughs> just like mean, like hanging our cat upside down uh, by, uh, by a rope and beating it with a baseball bat. And there's just multiple things that in the context you can't. Uh, it's hard to release. So what I did with those brother and what I suggest that people do who want to develop re- resiliency is to look at all the pain that person caused you. And, I, and I've looked at it and I've processed it and I've, and I've dealt with it. And <laughs> you know what happened brother was I got a sense of gratitude and the gratitude is exactly what you said that I wouldn't have been able to uh, endure the things in my life. I wouldn't be the, the resilient man that I am, am today if he hadn't repeatedly stuck his boot up my ass. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, so I look at that and say, okay, if I can't give them the benefit of the doubt, maybe I could just uh, thank them uh, for boot camp. That is, <laughs> thank you. For putting me through the pain necessary to develop the man that I am today. And um, so it's a sense of another form of release. And that is, I could just be grateful for them, even though they were a thorn in my side, even though whatever it's like coming to the place of they put Another um chink in my armor or they put another notch on my belt. You know, I graduated from from uh this belt to this belt because of them. And um just maybe, when you think about this, just maybe um I would have really OD'd. Uh just maybe I would have just drowned in my alcoholism if. The the pain of that resilient situation didn't build in me a thing of endurance. And that is maybe uh, that one time I was standing on the cliff and I was just like, I just want to jump off this thing. Maybe at that moment, if I didn't have the resiliency, I would have just jumped.
0: That's, that's a powerful way to look at it. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, too, looking back on certain people in my life that, you know, they... Um, they were doing the best with what they had. They were doing, you know, the best with the examples maybe that they had. They were uh kids having kids, you know, everybody had me young and I wasn't you know around a bunch of people honestly, and I was the only kid because my mom had me at sixteen, so a lot of people just didn't know any better and you know it is what yeah, it is, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely, brother. I said, it, man. I um you know, I hope this brings um Uh, perspective and healing to people that want to go on that resilient path and um, to let go of some of those things, man, because my mental picture of that is a backpack that's packed full of steel, man, and they will, you know, they start unloading this steel out of that backpack. They're going to start uh, their, their, their head's going to start standing up straight instead of hunched over. Um, they're going to experience a sense of relief as they set these things down. And um, they're also going to experience a greater stride moving forward to, um, to go and conquer life, man.
0: Let's see. I, I, I don't, I'm doing a great job at asking this. I, I, the original plan was to ask this of every guest and I probably maybe be batting about 500 on it. But, uh, you know, if you had one, one, the most important nugget or habit or trait or just anything that has to do with resilience or becoming more resilient, just just leave the audience with, with one thing.
1: Okay. Okay. Um, this is practiced in many, many different ways. Um, if they're people of faith, it's a it is a uh, has its foundation in the Bible, and that is to um, you know whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, and it gives these lessons. It said to think on these things, and that is to have a mindset that has that as the as the focal point. But not only that, brother, what I have found out is. If I have some thinking errors, if I have some belief systems, I can challenge them with that list also. And then I, I can ask myself, is this true? Like, is this true? And <laughs> the reality is of just asking ourselves, uh, that, that question and going through these, these lists that, that are laid out in the scriptures there. Uh, even if you're not of faith, you can still practice something similar, but challenging those thoughts and those mindsets. Uh, With this uh, list that's prescribed there in uh, Philippians 4, 8, uh, 8, (laughs) it is life changing. And, you know, when you get feelings like, for example, with my mother or my father or anybody, even like if my wife triggers me and uh, I start thinking a thought that's not, you know, grounded in truth. And I start saying that, oh, my gosh, she's just blah, blah. Right. Or my mom. Oh, my gosh, she's just blah, blah. And uh, the first question I asked myself is that true? Like, just simple that. And uh, I think that uh, the challenging our thoughts and our mindsets uh, with that paradigm uh, would lead uh, people to a lot of health, and they would uh, uh, they would get the mindset uh, challenge the false mindset, and then they'd begin to align themselves with the with the true mindset. So that's, uh, that's my nugget, man. That's, uh, I think if uh, men in general uh, had a process that challenged their thoughts, uh, especially when they're triggered um, and stop them from spiraling into the pit and going into the place they don't want to go, um, I
0: think they will live better lives. Agree. I agree. Use that myself. Next time, uh, next time my kids, you know, about it. A- Put a bullet in I'm like, is
1: that true? Well, when you think about it, it's like, oh man, these kids are just, they don't respect me. It's like, well, is that true? You know, you have one moment where they don't clean up their clothes, right? It's just, for example, they don't respect me. Why? Because last time I told them to pick it up. Now, when they left their clothes there, were they actually thinking about disrespecting you? Is that true? (laughs) Like, shit. <laughs> and then go into the next word. Is is that what you sincerely believe? <laughs> the next word is sincere. Do you sincerely believe that, or is that just a trigger
0: reaction? If you guys got anything out of the show, man, please share it and uh, rate it, review it, all that stuff. Uh, gets me in front of more eyes. And like I said, man, follow us on social resilient man project. We will see you guys next week. I'm past the point of return, it's for the legacy. tripping over excuses Timber flare need to take it out on music on a mission to be